Scripture reading for today is from John chapter 14, verses 15 through 21. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. A little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. I'm going to try and present this biblical truth slowly because I think we need to understand it. So let's look at the beginning of 14th chapter. We're going to we're going to just quickly review a little bit and then come down here to chapter uh, to verse 14 of chapter f- verse 15 of chapter 14 Jesus is getting ready to be crucified buried and then returned to heaven through resurrection and his disciples that he has been ministering to for 3 years, 3 and a half years something like that are going to be left without him I don't know if any of you have ever been in a church long enough with the same pastor that uh, after that pastor leaves, they retire or they go to another church, God calls them somewhere else. You feel uh, alone. And you have a thousand different questions to, to ask them that you don't have an opportunity to ask them. Um, Jesus knew two things. He knew everything, but in this set of circumstances, he knew two things. He knew, number one, that they would be afraid. And he tells them in verse 1 of chapter 14, don't let your heart be troubled. In other words, don't be afraid. Do not be afraid because I'm leaving, going somewhere else. The second thing that he knew is he knew that there will be many people in all of the centuries after this, that will come to know him as their personal savior, and they will; those people will have questions. More questions that are written than are written in the Bible. For the information, and so he goes through these fourteen, fifteen, and sixteen chapter, and he talks about the many aspects that are essential for the nurturing of born-again believers that need to grow and become disciples of Christ. You realize if you're not a disciple of Christ, you're only a babe. Do you hear that? If you're not a disciple, if you don't do what he commands, and he talks about this in a couple different ways in this chapter. If you do not do what he commands, if you do not do or follow his teaching, if you do not allow him to do to you what God wants to do, you're only an infant in Christ. 
Now, if, if you think about it, some of you should think, oh, wow, I'm still an infant. Don't be ashamed of that. Everybody's got to be an infant before they can be anything else, right? So the first thing that he addresses when he talk, talk, Thomas asks, well, where are you going? Can we get there? And he answers that question, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father but by me. In other words, if Thomas, if you know me, you're going to get there because I'm going to take you there. So don't be afraid about where you want to go. Oh, by the way, do you know how many people are afraid of heaven? Or they're afraid of the rapture? Or they're afraid of end times? Do do you know how many people, somewhere in the neighborhood of 70 or 80% of born-again believers? Because the the fear of the unknown is a, a, a block or what I call stronghold in people to prevent, to make fear in us so that we cannot pursue Christ because we're afraid of something. So, so Jesus knew that. And he said, listen, don't be afraid of eternity because I'm going to come and get you. I'm going to take you by the hand and listen to this image. And I'm going to take you to where I'm going. And you will be with me forever. That's what he says. Forever. Isn't that wonderful? So I don't have to be afraid. I don't have to be afraid of the enemy doing all their dastardly deeds. There is nothing that the enemy can ever do to me that will harm me. Because I am in Christ. He's comforting. He's comforting his people. Philip says, well, show me the Lord God Almighty, he wants him to do. And that's another question that he answered, asked. And Jesus said, listen to what Jesus said. He said, Philip, don't you know me? See, Philip didn't understand. He didn't understand the truth. The truth is that if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Now, that's not an intellectual piece of information. That's not an an intellectual piece of information. That is a relationship-transforming statement for every believer that knows Jesus Christ. Don't Don't you know me? I'm the Father. I am the Father. So you don't have to be afraid. Again, he's got his hand in yours. Now let's come to verse 14, 15. Why do I like 14? I don't know. Verse 15. Listen to what he says. So so in lieu of the two questions that were asked to him here by these disciples... He comes down here to the 15th verse, and he says, if you love me. Now see, Jesus Christ, he doesn't say, keep my commandments if you love me, does he? He doesn't say, if, keep my commandments if you love me. That is not what he says. 
He says, if you love me. He puts the emphasis upon the relationship. If you, if you love me, then keep my commandments. What does that mean? If you love me, I can transform you. You could be transformed. You could be different than what you are right now. That's keeping his commandments. He's not talking about the Old Testament commandments. He's talking about the New Testament, the commandments that Jesus Christ has given to the disciples and the transforming truth of the in, intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. If you love me. See, Jesus is only interested in one thing. He wants to know if you love him. Do you have an intimate relationship? Do you trust him implicitly? Well, the world always sets up an obstacle to keep you from doing that. Did you know that? If you're an angry person, I guarantee you, you don't love Jesus. You What? You mean if I've got anger, I can't be saved? I didn't say that. And he doesn't say that. He says, if you have this obstacle, whatever it is in your life, then you're only fooling yourself because you do not love me. And you are unable, if you're an angry person, to keep God's commandments that Jesus gives us. So the question is, do you love him? Keep my commandments. He doesn't list them here. He lists the, the, the Old Testament Ten Commandments in, in Deuteronomy and some other But he, he gives them in a couple different places. But he doesn't list them. He doesn't list them here. See, he's comforting his people. Do you need comforted today? I need to ask you that question. Do you need comforted? Does something in your life right now cause you to feel off or awkward or something you think you failed at? Well, sure you do then you need to understand about what Jesus is going to say right here. Am I going too fast for you? <laughs> this, do you guys know that these people need to be saved from orneriness over here? The problem is I attract orneriness. <laughs> Amen. Now listen, he says, he says, if you love me and you're trying to keep... By the way, Jesus is not looking for perfect disciples. Did, did you hear that? So we can all go... Jesus is not looking for perfect disciples. You like that, Andy? Okay, tell somebody this week. <laughs> He's not. And that's why he says, verse 16. He says, and I will ask my Father, God the Father. I will ask him, and he will give you another advocate to help you. Now, what is an advocate? It's someone who speaks on behalf of someone. Okay? What's an advocate? Jesus is. It says in another, uh, God, not a, another God, in an epistle, it says that 
First uh, John, chapter two, verse two. Just pop right That's that's where that word advocate is used again. And he says, "I'll be your advocate. Jesus will be your advocate." That means that he will sit on the right hand of the Father, and he will talk to God on your behalf for your goodness and your health and your nurture and your protection. Now, this is a divine spiritual truth. That, it doesn't mean it's, it may be abstract in your understanding, but what it, really, what it really, really means is that this is the divine nature of God being God to his creation. And that is of the 12 billion plus billion people that live in the world, all those people that are Christians, he's doing, he's doing this intercession with God, this, this personal conference with the Lord God Father Almighty, 24 hours a day, seven days a week for the whole time of your life. And he's speaking on your behalf. The interesting thing is there's no jibber-jabber between God and Jesus. There's no small talk about you. There is no criticism of you. Let me say that again, Andy. There is no criticism of you. Did you hear that? Jesus is talking to the Father about how God the Father can nurture you in the biblical truth of eternity so that you could become like Christ. Amen. Do, do you understand what he's saying here? And he says, you know what his name is? His name is the Spirit of Truth. Notice the word Spirit is capital S. That means the third person of the Trinity. Now he stops there. He ends the thought. You now know some things. Number one, if you love him, you can keep his commandments. He doesn't ask you to be perfect. And then he will ask what? The Father, which is a capital F, Divine Father, to give you an advocate that intercedes for you and talks to the Father about you. Why is that important? The source of all truth comes from the Father. The source of all power and authority comes from the Father. The transformation of a human being comes from truth and power and authority. Okay? And so he's constantly talking to the God the Father on how you are to be transformed. Wow. And this advocate, he's giving to you. When do you get it? Do you have to order it from Sears catalog? That's no, no longer. What is it? The Google? What do they call it? What do they call it? Google? Amazon. Amazon? Is that where the spirit of truth is found? No. 
Well, when do you get it? When, when does the spirit of truth get? It, it is when an individual bows their head and they accept Jesus Christ and allow Jesus Christ to, to, be, to take sin and death away from them. And then he, in place of the sin and death, he cleanses that from them. And at that point, Jesus, the divine nature of God, the Son, comes and dwells with you. And with him is the spirit of truth, which we call the Holy Spirit. Years ago, when I was a born-again Christian, that's been a long time ago, he was called the Holy Ghost. They don't call him that anymore. Call him the Holy Spirit. Okay? He is, that's when you get him. I'm going to give you the spirit of truth. Now, I'm going to tell you a secret. I needed him an awful lot. Because I never went to church. And I didn't know anything about Jesus Christ. And I was completely and totally ignorant. Of who he was. And who God was. And what his truth was. And I needed to be taught. All the truth that God could teach me. During that process of, of transformation into the image of Christ, I realized there were many things I did not know how to do. Okay? How about you? If you don't know how to be something spiritually, do you just ignore it? In many churches, people are told us that, that God is sovereign, and he is. But the, the teaching of sovereign in many churches and many theologies is that God's in control of everything and that you really don't have to worry anything. You just wake up in the morning and say, Lord Jesus, here's my day. Thank you for saving me and move on. And you never, you go through life dealing with the same problems, the same anger, the same frustration, the same unforgiveness, the same lusts that you always do, and you're just trusting God to be sovereign to work it out. But that's not how a relationship is. If you live that way with your spouse, you'll be finding a counselor or you'll be finding a lawyer for a divorce. Do you understand that? But this spirit of truth is given to you. If you have a question about God, what do you do? Do you go to Strong's Concordance and find a passage of Scripture to help you with what you're trying to understand? Is that what you do? Some people go to uh, 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 it went right out of my head. All kinds of literature, all kinds of academic literature. What do you say, Patrick? That's not quite it. <laughs> Commentaries. Matthew's commentary. Um, hermeneutics books. If you've been in college and, and you do word studies and you ask all. Let me share something with you. Did you know long before any of that literature was written and the Holy Spirit came into you when you gave your life to Christ, he had the answer to the problem you're trying to find in a book. 
That's okay. It could be a shock. You married, gentlemen? Are there things about your wife you don't understand? (laughs) Who knows your wife? Who knows the hearts of all men? Jesus Christ. He sent us the spirit of truth to teach us how to understand our spouse. Women, what about, why do men do what they do? They don't make any sense, do they, ladies? Many times. Mental illness. (laughs) Who knows all? I told, pray for this side of the church. (laughs) Maybe take authority over it. (laughs) So, so the Holy Spirit, the Word, the Spirit of Truth, He. He will explain to you why your spouse is the way they are. But men, you don't ask. Ladies, you don't ask. If nothing changes in your relationship and you think it needs to change, the reason is you're asking God no questions or you're asking God the wrong question. In whatever circumstance you're living with, whatever adversity, whatever's going on, whatever you're afraid of, and you can't get over it, it's not changing because you do not go to God and say, Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I need to understand why I'm afraid. Or what's the answer to this, Lord? Or where's my next job coming from? Show me. Lord God, why does money bother me? Why when I start thinking about money or having too much or not having enough? Father God, why does money bother me? If you don't ask that question, guess what? Money will dominate you. And it will control your emotions. It's the same way with lust. See, he's comforting his people who will not have them. And he's saying, I'm going to give you an advocate, which is the spirit of truth. And he will comfort you and teach you in all things. He will expound upon this in later chapters 14 and 15. 14, 15, and 16. Now, he's, there's something about this nature of this spirit of truth. Look what it says here. The world. Now, what's the world? That word in the Greek is cosmos. That means everything that, that God created and the devil came in and corrupted and he cursed. He says there's nothing in the world. The world cannot accept it. So don't expect them to be impressed when God tells you something. That's what it means. Don't, be, don't, don't expect the world to think, wow, that's really b- brilliant. When, when you say, hey, that person hurt you and damaged you and you've got pain, well, forgive them. Because when you forgive them, God takes the pain away. Let me say that again. When you forgive them, God, do you realize the world doesn't? The world says the pain makes you stronger. Did you know the world tells you that? I do. I know they do. 
I've read it and people have told me. The pain makes you stronger. That's not what the Word of God says. He says you forgive them in the name of Jesus, just like Jesus forgave us when he died on the cross. And what he will do then is he will heal you. And when God heals something, it takes the pain away. Do you understand that what I just said is diametrically opposed to the world's belief in relationships? Do do, do you hear that? So the world cannot accept it. Because why? The, The people in the world that are unsaved are not spiritual people. What are they? They're dead. As a very young man, before I ever went to Bible school, I was asked to do a funeral of a Mr. Williams. Not you, Dave. (laughs) He was an older man. He loved to hunt. Uh, He was in his 70s or 80s. And, And I walked in, and as a pastor, I'd never been in that role before in my life. And, uh, his wife was a, a lady that loved him very much. And now don't get upset about this, but she reached down in the casket and picked him up and started hugging him. And uh, the funeral directors ran up to the casket and said, it's okay. But you know what I realized? That dead man could not respond to her love. He may have done it a gazillion times before. And and she may have embraced him and and he put his arm around her and, and he shared with her the affection. The world cannot share in the truth that the Spirit of God gives. It cannot. Don't expect it to. Don't be, oh, what's wrong with him? They're dead. They're dead. It says he can't even see. Now, if you ask people, if you ask people if they see the Holy Spirit, the answer is yes, they don't. They don't see. But what does it mean that a born-again Christian can see the Spirit? It means that, now this is a, a hunting joke, or not a joke, but a hunting illustration. Do you ever go out in the woods and you ever were looking for a buck or a deer and you were in a thicket and you heard a rattling and then you saw some movement through the thick brush, okay? And you looked and you stared and you watched it and you knew by the movement of the brush around it, that that was a deer moving in the woods. So you could see the deer without seeing it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Ladies, when you carry a baby, and it begins to move, and it presses its hand against your stomach, and you see the outline... You see the baby without seeing the baby, right? That's, we can see the Spirit. 
when it moves in the life of people. Or like down there in, in the Kentucky. We see the Spirit moving down there. But we don't see the Spirit. Another place that calls it like the wind. And ladies, when you see that little hand or the head and you see its outprint, imprint on your stomach, Gus, you, you immediately know what? It's a baby. When you see that deer going through the brush, you know immediately it's a deer. Can't see the horns, but you see the deer. And they don't know it. They don't, that means there's no understanding with this Holy Spirit. But he says, you, these disciples that he's comforting, he says, but you, you guys right here that have been with me for three and a half years, you know because he'll live in you. And he'll be with you. Now, next week, I'm going to continue here, and I'm going to go to the next verse. And uh, he said, I will not leave you as an orphan. By the way, do you know, do you know what the word orphan means? They, it means you have no parents. There is no one in your life that you belong to. Now, you know, there are many people who have parents, and you live with them, and... And they didn't build belonging in you. We're going to talk about that next week. And he's going to talk about, we're going to talk about how this Holy Spirit that is an advocate who is the spirit of truth, how he gives us belonging in God. I mean, I could go on and talk about this for another hour. Because... I know when I was 17 and I gave my heart to the Lord, I was alone. I knew I was alone. I had a mother and father, but I was alone. They did not have the spiritual giftedness from God to build belonging. And so I was an orphan. Many, many people are orphans. And we'll talk about it next week. I hope this comforted you a little bit. I hope it gave you some encouragement. If you're afraid, you don't have to be. If you've got an astronomical problem to solve, God will give you the answer. You need to ask the right questions. And ask until he tells you. Because in the asking, you learn. Did you know that? That's where scientists got this test and retest and test and retest. And then when, when the outcome changes, something changes. And what was it that changed? It gave you this outcome. It's the way it is with God. It's the way it is with God. If things are not changing in your spiritual life, 
they're not changing, you need to ask different questions. Quit asking and saying the old things over and over. Ask something new. I don't know what to ask. Well, if I don't know what to ask, guess who I would ask what to ask? (laughs) Jesus. Doesn't that sound simple, but it's profound. Let me tell you, my reasoning is is sketchy at best, but his is eternal. So, is your band here, Caleb? Can you find them and bring them up? The drummer's not here, is he? Huh? Soon. Breakdown in communication. Let's stand. There's no weapon formed against us. There is no weapon formed against us. There is no weapon formed against us that God cannot overcome or has already overcome. Okay? We are not alone. We have the spirit of truth living inside of us. We have his righteousness, and that's a whole other set of teaching. You're his people. He loved you so much he died for you. He died for you. I'm glad he died for you. Father God, bless these people this morning. We're getting ready to walk out into the deep water. (laughs) We're going to be like Peter. As long as we keep our eyes on Jesus, we will not drown. He will keep us where we need to be. Lord God, we love you. And we try with your help to keep your commandments. Please send us the spirit of truth every day. Lord, there are times in my my life I need him to come every minute, every hour. And I just ask, Father, that you do that for my brothers and sisters. Holy Spirit, Son of David, Bless us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer, come on up. We'll pray for you. Let's sing this song.